This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. So many of these problems would be solved by having more money, right? That's, a, that's an assumption. We say money can't buy me love, money can't buy happiness. Money has certainly made people comfortable at times. I work with, I work with families who have a lot of money. I work with families who have no money. And I want, I want people to really hear what money can do on both sides. Some of these programs at ICAD in, in this room are such high-end luxury programs, and certainly you've, you've heard me interview some of them, and they've talked very openly about it. Um, I have Jan here, and our conversation is going to be about wealth and addiction. Um, <laughs> When, when we see gurus and celebrities fall from grace in, in, in through addictive behaviors, um, there's a level of satisfaction that we might feel because it makes them one of us. But Jan, off the air, you were actually just saying to me that money in and of itself can create a, a is it makes someone at higher risk for addiction? Is that, is that accurate? That's absolutely right, Aaron. Um, the very wealthy and also celebrities' uh, emotional well-being and mental health is unfortunately not very well researched because it's hard for you know universities or public uh, funds uh, research money uh, uh, to justify to spend that on, on, on researching how the, the, the very wealthy uh, are doing. Um, but the studies and research that's out there and also our clinical experience, uh, what was we were able to, to quantify is that somebody from an ultra high net worth background, now that's somebody uh, from a family that has 30 million US dollars plus in investable assets. So that's that's how we would consider ultra high. That's ultra high. It's a banking term. Uh, you know, banks, they, they, they uh, categorize people by high net worth over 1 million, ultra high net worth over 30 million. Ultra high net worth individuals are more than three times as likely to struggle with addiction throughout their lifetime than the average member of, uh, of a population. Uh, that in itself says something. And uh, what we need to be aware of as clinicians, but also uh, as families uh, that have that wealth or friends of families that uh, have that wealth, is why is that the case? And how can that be prevented? When when you came up to the table for your, your turn to be on the show, um, someone commented right away that, oh, you look like a lord. <laughs> now, that means something here in Europe. I don't have context for that. We have celebrity status and then everybody else. But here, it's not a caste system, is it? 
is is there a, we, we are in Europe there's still royalty around there's still someone saying you look like a lord does that are you does that mean anything did you did you come from extreme wealth uh, i myself uh, i don't i had a at a very uh, regular middle class uh, upbringing um, my family uh, my, my dad's a psychiatrist, my mom's a clinical nurse specialist. And we've come, as so many people do when they found the family business, uh, we, uh, we've come just by chance into uh, now providing mental health care and addiction treatment for that specific uh, demographic. It. We've done so for quite some time. So uh, we gathered a lot of experience of you know, how that demographic, how people uh, from that background tick and what are the specific pitfalls, you know, why they are three, three times as likely than the average population to actually suffer from addiction. So you really do work with the niche market of, of the, so. uh, the ultra high wealth? Absolutely. Okay, so your, your family, your organization, uh, you work with celebrities, uh, royalty as well at times? Uh, royalty very regularly. Now there's some countries or regions what? in the world you, you where... You say very regularly? Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's some areas in the world, particularly in the Middle East, where you know royal families, big royal families, sometimes yeah. they have thousands of members. They uh, they run a whole country, and uh, the economy basically uh, is run by by one single family. Um, and uh, we do quite regularly work with people f uh, with a you know official Let royal me, title. I, I want to ask because the clientele is exclusive. Um, having access to your services can be exclusive. But is the is the the therapeutic process? Is it down in the dirt? Gonna get real? Is it just the same type of I'm gonna sob in your office whether or not I have 30 million and more? I'm gonna cry and break down and tell you about my childhood in the same way? Um, yes and no. <laughs> now <laughs> it's a. Uh, that building the therapeutic alliance to, to, to gain somebody's trust. Yes. Um, and and the therapeutic process itself, it's a bit more. Uh, it has more dimension of uh, you need to be very pragmatic. You need to be diplomatic, pragmatic. You need to. There's no one size fits all. There's no one line is uh, um, in, in in the therapeutic process. So this is what what we're going to do today. Uh, if you're too confrontative or too dogmatic, in quotation marks, uh, with a billionaire, they will just close the door on you. If, if somebody goes to rehab, but they have a plane waiting, they can just leave at any time. There's right. no material consequences. So rock bottom is a relative term for wealthy people. It's not about uh, you're about to lose your spouse, you lost your job, it, uh, material consequences. Um, if you have millions or even billions in your bank account, it takes a whole different complexity and a whole different dynamic. So as a clinician or we as a treatment provider, we have to meet these people where they're at. We have to first and foremost listen to them and then together with them define their goals, their motivation, their realistic uh, uh, ability to engage in therapy. Um, and, and it's much more complex when there's a lot of money in the game. Yeah. Because because again, you can leave at any time. And these are people who are often never ever have been told no to. I, and especially if they've grown up with wealth, they, anything they could ever desire, uh, ask for, uh, travel to, it's, it's, yep. it's there, it's accessible. Now you, you just said something, rock bottom is a relative term for the wealthy. What does their rock bottom look like? Unfortunately, uh, more often than not, rock bottom is when they end up in hospital. 
it's when the liver gives out or if they you know fall down the stairs and uh, injure themselves uh, very severely or sometimes when uh, uh, a family conflict um, um, hits a point where things just completely blow up but uh, that's often when it's about you know vast sums of money or political influence in like the they're gonna be cut off uh, yeah that can happen or, or, or people just trying uh, trying to to you know, from outside the family, even trying to manipulate uh, uh, their way or, or keep somebody ill uh, because because uh, they benefit financially or by status or anything by that person being ill. So it, it's just much much more complex. So uh, uh, people will often cover up for the wealthy addict. A spouse will not just leave because well, they have a very 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 nice life otherwise, um, and the the, the uh, Financial implications take whole, a whole different dimension, so it's, it's just not so easy to just uh, say, you know, if you, if you don't go to, to uh, seek help now or go to treatment now, uh, I will divorce you. It doesn't work that easy when you're, when you're married to a celebrity or a billionaire or a head of state or something like that. Um, and then you also have the staff around who are very much willing to cover up, either out of a sense of loyalty or, again, own financial interest. So I, that reminded me of a story about Jim Belushi, about the height of his fame, or Chris Farley, and, and they're both comedians and actors, but literally everybody around them was trying to give them drugs, even though their bodyguards were told, keep it away. And, you know, you, you, you hear, um, you know, rock stars and stuff like that talk about how their managers and, and their promoters were making sure that they had accessibility to the very thing that was causing their demise. Um, how, do you, how do you get the, the celebrity, the royalty themselves to understand that they've created an environment just like uh, someone who's living in the street, completely engrossed in poverty, they've created the perfect environment for them to keep their addiction going. I mean, all these people are supposed to help them and love them, and is that process any different, or is that still just an eye-opening, therapeutic list everybody who gives you drugs? I mean, the, the insight moment, the aha moment, uh, is often, uh, you know, when something bad happens and often unfortunately it's it's a physical breakdown uh, or it's a scandal it's uh, you know you sometimes hear the stories when a celebrity uh, acts out on an airplane they sure they, they attack uh, the air crew and all that so okay it hit, it hit it hits the public so they know okay I need to do something about it now and that's often quite far down the curve of, 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 uh, of their disease uh, because until then, uh, all the people uh, around them have uh, covered up for them. Uh, when that moment's there, that's that's a window of opportunity. That's the moment, the few days or week or so on, where uh, the people around them who really care about them uh, are the ones who need to 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 to, to uh, beat the drum of you need to get help and you need to get help now. And often that window closes very quickly. It's uh, and and. Celebrities, wealthy people are much more likely to, to also leave treatment early or, or withdraw from a therapeutic process very early because once they hear what, you know, things they don't want to hear, um, again, it, it's our natural reaction as human beings to, uh, to walk away. But uh, often people in treatment, they don't have a choice. They need to sit it out. Is the relapse rate higher for celebrities, royalty, just because they have such access to indulgence? All things equal, that's definitely yes. 
so also for instance, we as a treatment provider, we often ask, so what we do is, it's very intensive, it's one client at a time, so outcomes must be better, right? So what are your outcome figures? Uh, I'm suspicious of figures and statistics anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Particularly when it comes to recovery. Um, but, uh, um, but it's probably not. But it's also because people uh, who live in, in this bubble of, uh, of wealth and fame, uh, they have many, many more uh, risk factors for, for relapsing. And, uh, and in a way, the material dimension um, of, of, of incentive of you know, going through with, with uh, recovery, uh, it's not there. Um, you're not, not at risk of, of losing your, your livelihood, uh, your income, your, your, your status by, by, uh, by relapsing. So relapse rates, uh, all things equal, are probably higher with with wealthy celebrities. When I when I lived in Hollywood, and I was an actor, I spent a lot of time lived in Hollywood, half a block off of Hollywood Boulevard. There was never a party, there was never a club that I went to, that wasn't just drugs and alcohol everywhere. I didn't have to go to this one person's house where everybody went to use the drugs because you could do it there safely. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the problems? And do you do you expect do you expect abstinence? Do you do you are, are do you do the same old twelve steps? You said the therapeutic process is more complicated, especially to create the relationship. But once you get them in the relationship, are we using the same modalities to keep them sober that we're going to use with anybody? No, in our world, there's no one-size-fits-all. So our priority is we need to understand where the person is at and, uh, and together with them define their goals, understand their motivation and, and again, realistic possibilities of uh, what they can and want to achieve in treatment. It's our job to challenge them and guide them, but all in, we do this in a very motivational way. So if somebody says abstinence is absolutely not what I strive for, or somebody drinks a lot and, uh, and uses a lot of cocaine and they see cocaine as a problem and don't see alcohol as a pro problem at all, but we realize it's actually more than a bottle every day. Um, it's our professional duty to, to uh, educate them, to, to, to hopefully get them to a point of realization of that actually their drinking is also part of the problem. Um, but we do this very motivationally because uh, this clientele is very, very quickly to walk away and uh, when they hear something that they want to hear. And doctor shopping is something, is a term that you often hear with, with that demographic as well. It's, uh, so they go shop around until somebody prescribes them the pills they want to have that prescribed. That they wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And if somebody tells them this is actually not good for you and they don't want to hear it, then they're just off to somewhere else. It's a luxury in quotation mark, but it's actually, it, it's part of the issues that the demographic faces and lives with. So let's talk about luxury and comfort, okay? A lot of the facilities here provide luxury and comfort to help the person experience happiness um, you know, to, uh, that you can say you can feel good just from the sheets that you're sleeping in, mm. all right? So I've got two kind of questions for this. Number one, does your facility continue to provide luxury and comfort for someone who's used to it? Or do you try to get them in the dirt and some mud under their fingernails? And does, if you're providing luxury and comfort, is that indulging an experience that might have been causing harm in the first place? 
Again, uh, yes and no. Uh, so you have to be very, very uh, thoughtful of the complexity of it. Um, somebody who is used to live in very, very comfortable uh, circumstances, when you, if you artificially take them out of that, first and foremost, that induces anxiety. And anxiety is the last thing you want uh, when you want to help <laughs> it's somebody. It's not going to gonna help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have to respect that. And if somebody is used to be driven in a Bentley, well, you know, the, that's fine. It's their reality. It's not good or bad, or we have to take the judgment out of that. Um, so we have to have them comfortable. So we can get their trust and we can have uh, them in a comfortable place where they're opening up and engaging in a therapeutic process. Um, and because wealthy people, um, um, are normally used to quite a luxurious lifestyle. It does make sense that they have places to go to where that luxury uh, component is, is part of the treatment process. It's not about spoiling them or rewarding any kind of behavior. Again, we take the judgment out of that. Uh, your question about taking people out, getting you know, dirt under their fingernails, um, we have to be aware that we as human beings, we are spiritual beings. So uh, being down and dirty or going out to nature is something that can be of great value. It's again a question of how do you approach that with somebody who's only lived in air-conditioned houses uh, 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 until they came, came to our place. But, uh, so we are based in, in, in Zurich, Switzerland and also uh, in London and particularly Switzerland is a great place for, for the outdoors. We have the Alps at our doorstep, we have, you know, we have the lake uh, of Zurich literally a hundred yards away from, from our facilities. Um, we have forests five minutes away. Um, so we try to get people out. Even, even for a scheduled session, a psychiatrist doesn't have to come in and sit down with the client in our therapy room. Uh, we have therapy rooms in every uh, client residence. Um, but uh, they can spontaneously decide, you know, it, it, it's a great day or, or actually it's raining, but when have you last felt uh, the raindrops on, on your skin? Let's just go wow. for a walk. Let's do the therapy while walking. Uh, so, so there's a lot, because we have one client at a time, we can be very, very uh, flexible in, in that. So we encourage people to come out, to experience the outdoors. We do snowshoe treks, we do hikings, we do, you know, scuba diving, all sorts of things. Um, or even go out and, uh, and do stuff, build stuff. Um, uh, you know, go to a local uh, um, uh, charity, hand out, hand out uh, uh, lunches for the homeless. Um, everything is on the table. And we do encourage uh, our clients to engage. But we do that motivationally. We don't say you have to go do this. You don't, also, we, we don't have to go to meetings when you're with us. There are public meetings in Zurich. There's uh, very good meetings in, in Zurich. Um, and we explain to our clients what they are for, the merits uh, of going to meetings and all of that. But if they don't want to, then they don't have to. Because again, when you're living in that bubble, the sheer thought of having to go to meeting and sharing your story can induce huge anxiety, which again is poison for the therapeutic process. So it's about pragmatism. Okay. Do you guys work with just addiction? Are you also mental health? Are you dual diagnosis? And the addictions you work with, just alcohol, drugs? Or are you also dealing with sex addiction, technology addiction? What are the specialties? Uh, we work with any uh, addiction and associated disorder. Uh, first of all, uh, 
you know, doing justice to the fact that uh, more often than not there are associated uh, course, disorders. Uh, there is cross addictions. Um, there is problematic eating with uh, with uh, young code addict just as much as, uh, as there is with an eating disorder client when they come. So uh, our philosophy is uh, we have a holistic approach. We also, we don't only do therapy, we look at somebody's uh, digestive system, we look at somebody's hormonal levels because we realize there's various, various pieces of a puzzle that uh, if you know, put in the right place or uh, assembled uh, uh, correctly, if all addressed, uh, you can have a much more sustainable treatment outcome than if you only focus on one specific issue, if you only focus on counseling or only on trauma therapy or only on uh, uh, this or that. So acupuncture, yoga, the outdoors are just as important as, as is psychotherapy, trauma therapy, just as important as is restoring gut health, looking at chronic pain issues, looking at actual physical uh, uh, issues that, that, that people come with. And quite frankly, without judgment, because you're dealing with a niche clientele, um, you can afford to do the best of this work to approach all the modalities. There are things that, that we do at our facility that we're a private facility, right? Our kids are doing Tai Chi, our kids are doing yoga, they're going to a rock climbing gym. We're in Rocky Mountain National Park. We, like, we, we, we have the privilege to do that. But both you and I know, and I work on the board of Kafka, there are programs who are getting funded by states and counties and countries they're underfunded, they're overwhelmed, they're doing the absolute basics. And the hard part, the success that you're providing, the opportunity that you're providing, comes from the wealth and luxury that these people have. And you can afford to do the stuff that we know works. Absolutely. How do you guys, um, how do you guys contend with people calling and they, they're just not your niche market. Where do, where do you tell them to go? What do you tell them to do after this? Actually, that, that's the only part of our work that uh, sometimes makes me sad because sure. I would love to be able to offer what we do to anybody who needs that help. But the fact is, uh, doing that kind of comprehensive care and also individually tailoring. Individually. That, that all is time and money uh, that, that can take dimensions that uh, makes it unaffordable to the vast majority of the population yeah. of, of this planet. Um, so, well, our lead psychiatrist, Thilo Beck, uh, who works with every one of our clients, he's also the head psychiatrist of uh, the largest charity, not just in Switzerland, but in the world, who works with, uh, wow. that works with street addicts. Um, so we, first of all, professionally uh, support, uh, you know, people who can, who can just by no means afford uh, any kind of treatment or any kind of comprehensive treatment. Um, and then also financially. It's, uh, and the way I see, I see it as a way of, of giving back is yeah. uh, charities. But particularly for me personally also, uh, and that's where a lot of uh, our charitable uh, contributions go to, is, is to organizations that work with children in crisis regions. Because as we all know, is childhood trauma is basically, it's a recipe for mental health struggles yeah. later in life. So if you look at Syria, if you look at parts of Africa, um, where, where people, where kids, families, uh, 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 people of all ages, but particularly kids are, are, are severely traumatized, that first response, emergency first response from a mental health uh, uh, perspective, is absolutely crucial in trying to contain damage. Um, and that's almost as much as you can do for somebody who is from a country, uh, from a war-torn country, somebody who will never be able to, to afford a counselor 
uh, we're not even talking about uh, you know a, a treatment program uh, or help. Uh, the best we can do is focus on prevention. Yeah, and it's look, it makes sense. You you can offer the best care because as an organization you can afford it, and you can help charities because as an organization you can afford it. Absolutely. And that's that's probably a, a charity. That's the luxury. Jan, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you, your time, and uh, this is this is great show. Thanks for putting it in these terms. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. This podcast was sponsored by the International Conference of Addiction and Associated Disorders, and always supported by Mental Health News Radio, and brought to you by Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Thanks so much for listening, parents. Remember, you take care of yourselves first, you take care of your adult relationships second, and you take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. All my love to Kristen Walker, the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio Network. Please check out all of our shows at Mental Health News Radio Network at mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all the social media platforms. You can email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. If you have any questions about your child and need of treatment, please contact Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center at 303-443-3343, extension 204. The assessment and that phone call is free. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you parents for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast in Colorado. We'll see you next week.